You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. This poem, entitled Wild Geese, is by Mary Oliver. She tells us about life well-lived and how for each of us love means something different. Love is both different and very much the same. At the place where we are in doubt about whether or not we will be satisfied, safe, excited, and repaid enough, we are all the same. Tell me about your despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. And let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. The poet captures in a few short phrases the exact point of confluence of the rivers of hope and despair that run through all of us. I come from Missouri, and I grew up not far from where the Missouri and the Mississippi rivers come together just above St. Louis. They come together in an awesome, awesome surge of fast, deep brown water. And the sight of these two enormous, powerful forces mixing together to form the lower Mississippi is humbling and enthralling. We would often go down to the river, down to the levee, just to look at it, especially at night. And there was a strange and compelling combination of excitement and comfort at being so close to that river. Excitement at being so close to a thing so strong and unstoppable, and the comfort had something to do with the timelessness and immeasurability of the river. We could be as safely insignificant as we wanted to in the presence of such a vast cosmic being. T.S. Eliot, who came from St. Louis, called the river a strong brown god. And we can be aware of the confluence of our emotions. The rivers of hope and despair surge together in each of us from moment to moment as we encounter the circumstances, the people, places, and things of our lives. The waters mix, and we become a combination of our faith and our fears. Mary Oliver is telling us if we share our fears, our moments, days, even years of doubt and pain with each other, we will indeed be set free to love what we love and love it well. 
Now, for Sister Prigine, I hope that's how you say it, whose words we heard today, loved meant specific and measurable acts. She wanted to walk the walk. Her awareness of her own and society's revulsion by death row inmates was the river that brought her meaning. Loving society's enemies became for her an actual life's work rather than an occasional idealistic impulse. And in accompanying them to their executions, she said, I wanted my face to carry the love that tells them and every one of us that our life is worth more than our most terrible acts. Now, today this is not a debate about the wretchedness of the death penalty, nor is it a debate about the possibility of repentance for these unspeakable acts. But it is a living example of someone who rides down the river of Jesus' bidding, born by her own humanity, a mixture of faith and fear. St. Paul, whose reading was for today, but we didn't do it, also tells us what Mary Oliver does. He says, imitate us. We're the ones who live in expectation of salvation. He's saying that our humiliation will be transformed from an earthly body to a glorious one if we can only stand firm in this love. So what is our humiliation? Well, this is what Mary Oliver means when she says, tell us about despair. Yours, and I will tell you mine. It's humiliating to be in despair. And every one of us has it. It's all different, but we all have it. And the psalmist talking about this too when we sang, do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, false witnesses rising up against me, breathing out violence. And every time we act on the fear and despair that flows through each one of us, it is we who are bearing the false witness against ourselves, against our own hope and faith, against our soft bodies, our better selves. And again, and again, God tells us, we don't have to do this. We don't have to do this, and we are forgiven when we inevitably do. Again and again, we hear the covenant renewed. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. Again and again, like Abram, the sun goes down, a deep sleep falls upon us, and a deep and terrifying darkness descends. So what does God do about this penchant of ours for descending into darkness, despair, and shame? Why doesn't God just part the waters for us, like the Hebrew slaves and Moses? Why can't we behave? Jesus is so frustrated with his people. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? yet you were not willing. This is our nature. We're both spiritual and animal. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is even more willing to do whatever it feels like doing, unfortunately. So time and again, we want saving. We're not saved once and for all from the enemy within. The assailants all around us. Time after time, the power of the spirit comes and fills us with new hope even in the face of our despair. And then, for a moment, we're willing. 
We're honest enough to share our stories of despair, and this humility trumps the humiliation. And it, it enables us to be the people we want to be, if only for brief moments, and love freely without counting the cost or the payback. Perfection is for Jesus Christ alone. He's got the inside track, the DNA, the nature of perfection. But for the rest of us, the examples of not just people like St. Paul and Sister Brigine, but anybody who, if only for a day or two, behaves the way we would like to behave, these examples can be our nurture, our hope for lives well lived. We don't have to be good, says Mary Oliver, but we do have to share our fears. And we do have to let ourselves love. So, however well we succeed at setting aside our stuff worship, whatever the vast or tiny measure of our works of charity, no matter how many times we have to get honest and start over, we can be sure that the river of hope will continue to carry us. The way to live life well is to know full well how much we all have in common and then to share our unique selves with each other anyway. We can be sure that God will forgive the gap between what we are and what we would be. And we can know that our sometimes fleeting desire to stop living for and by ourselves is God's will. And God will provide the power of hopefulness and the glory of right action. Fleeting. So in a moment, when we say that we believe in God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen, we remind ourselves and each other that our creation, our salvation, and our inspiration come from one source and one source alone, who is at once the cause and the home of all that is, the power of desire for goodness, the power of love, the power of reconciliation, the source of our supply, and the end of all our meaning. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things.